0: Friday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Catch your breath, folks, because we are here to discuss what was a wild draft lottery. The unthinkable happened, or actually, the very much thinkable. A undetermined team in the NHL's new lottery system got the first overall pick, which is tough news for teams who tanked the whole season in hopes of landing Alexei Lafreniere the Anaheim Ducks, the team that we cover on the show, will be selecting 6th overall. That was where they were slotted outside of getting into the lottery. So there won't be a 1, 2, or 3 pick for the Ducks. But as we've talked about many times on the show, six overall in a pretty good top-end uh, draft here is not a bad place to be. So Jake and CJ are here with me to discuss it. Guys, how are you feeling right now? I mean, that was... That was a lot. I, I have emotion in my voice right now because, well, mostly because the Canadians might actually get Alexi Lafreniere in the system, but carry on, carry
1: on your reactions. Yeah. yeah. For, for you, it worked out fantastic. It, it worked out great. Dude, I, this I, was the, I, the like, best possible right scenario for you. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm all right. You know, it, it definitely was anticlimactic. I think I went in telling myself I'd be fine if the Ducks didn't win a lottery spot, but you know, uh, definitely uh, came out realizing I'd, wasn't able to keep that expectation there so um overall if you would have asked me a week ago how i would have felt about sixth i would have been fine with it and i think that's kind of where i'm settling into now obviously you build up your hopes and expectations about the possibility of alexi lafreniere of Quentin byfield of all these different players potentially being in the ducks uniform sadly that's not going to happen so it's going to be more so the lines of uh alexander holt of a lucas raymond of a marco rossi of maybe a jamie drysdale so there's a couple guys out there that the ducks could get where i'm settling into is kind of acceptance of obviously this is the result so this is how it's going to be and there's going to be a good player to be had for the ducks and so no it may not be a franchise altering player but they're going to get a good player that's going to help out this team in the long run and could potentially maybe if all things fall right become a franchise player CJ, how are you feeling? Yeah, yeah,
2: no, I, I completely agree with that as well. I got a little bit worked up beforehand. I think little is the key word. I tried to kind of keep myself back a little bit and temper my expectations, but we are here. The Ducks do have the sixth overall pick. The most likely scenario happened, so it's really difficult to be too upset, I think, at least for me anyway. Um, and the fact that just, like, the top ten this year has just a very, very deep forward Crew and a couple of you know potentially very good defensemen as well. I think bodes well for the Ducks. This is they've needed several top ten picks. I think for a while now they got Zegers at nine last year. They're going to get somebody very good at number six this year. So, um, and I do have confidence in Martin Madden and Bob Murray when it comes to the draft in terms of at least doing something. That is going to help the franchise in the future. So, uh, at the end of the day, I'm I'm sitting okay.
0: Okay. So the the emotional quotient right now. I mean, you're both drinking alcohol, so I don't know how how okay with this are you? If
1: if you're only to- having
2: a Pacifico, I'm only having I'm not- Pacifico. If I was really down in the dumps here, I'd be like, you know, chugging back tequila.
1: This is a uh, Modelo okay. in this okay. uh, Yeti koozie, and so doing all right doing all right number okay. two number two there was mm. one that happened uh during the watch along stream so
0: what do is i prefer modello or pacifico i think i have to go modello and That's cj don't, don't don't take this the wrong way i i really like pacifico so i'm not i'm not trying to single you out here but modello it's up there it's very good it so, is it just i want to fight
2: you like for I, no reason but other than just to well, fight see, right now
0: I mean, it's it's a shame we're not sponsored by them because Modelo is brewed for those with the fighting spirit. So technically, based on what you're saying here, you should be drinking Modelo. It seems
1: like you have the spirit. So,
2: How much did they pay you for that? Like, are you running under the table ad deals right now? Also, hey,
1: Modelo, Modelo, official beer of our beer league team.
0: It's, it's the official beer of the UFC, and UFC has been on all summer, or however long you want to call this period of time. So they play that out all the time so it's stuck in my head anyway i
2: think we can all agree that 2020 has lasted 10 years that's my official rating 2020 is
0: 2020 has lasted longer than 2010 to 2019 yes so the, that the, is the, the, correct. the previous yeah. decade or i guess 2009 to 2019 by the
1: way varluna points out felix is just low-key selling out here yeah yeah Am you're I? definitely selling <laughs> i'm out. really not
0: i just like that i just like that phrase you know it, it's it's good
1: brood sure, for the sure. fighting spirit sorry Sorry. Sure. Hey, sure. if
0: you don't if you don't like it,
1: there's plenty of other podcasts yeah, out there. I'm I'm gonna forget that <laughs> tagline within a minute. Don't worry.
0: That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Well let's uh let's get a little bit back to business here. So before we get into the ducks pick, I feel like it is worth discussing a little bit how this shook out for the other teams and also just the system overall. So how do you two let's start with CJ, how do you feel about the undetermined team getting A, into the lottery, and B, getting the first overall pick?
2: So from a fan of entertainment and a fan of just like, you know, having fun, this was probably the most fun outcome. The most fun outcome would have been all three plan teams winning all the lottery spots, but like the plan team winning first overall is probably going to be the most fun and entertaining thing and is going to grab the headlines. It's going to get some attention on the NHL. However, if you're talking about like purity of the game, if you're talking about um, in terms of how to logically kind of approach something, yeah, this is kind of a disaster for uh um for a lot of people, and just not knowing who's going to win the first overall pick. The fact that we may still not know if they have to cancel the play in or the playoffs. There's just there's so many unknowns with this, and it's just really hard to wrap my head around it. I think as of right now.
0: Jake, do you do you where do you land on that regarding how this shook out with the the undetermined well, unknown team getting the first let overall me- pick?
1: I think a good place to start with that is my initial reaction when I heard that this was going to be the draft lottery format was my initial uh, response was frustration because of mainly the fact, and you we all kind of disagreed on this. I think you guys were all on one side and I was on the other, that the play is is, for all intents and purposes, it's the playoffs. It's the postseason. It is what it is, that they aren't counting the stats as part of the regular season. And so where my frustration was was that you could have a team that, Quote unquote makes the playoffs. No, they're not considering it that, but they make the postseason, win the draft lottery, and get Alexi Lafreniere. And that was my frustration. And I thought that the fair way to go about it, in terms of non-playoff teams and teams that did not control their fate, we're not in an elimination thing. The best way to go about that was to have a one through seven full lottery with all of these teams for the one through seven pick, not the top three. Just have it be full lottery for all seven of those, and. Kind of After the news came out, I kind of settled in where I understood why the NHL did this. And it made sense because this was the closest that you could come to a comparable draft lottery to what would have happened. Um, but I can't help but find myself now going back to my original frustration with this that you could have the Edmonton Oilers. You could have the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs, if they lose to the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round... Have a one in eight chance of getting Alexi Lafreniere. A one in—that's a better. That's a be, at this point in time with the second draft. Now, granted, a team had to win that first draft uh, to be able to, so these teams could have it. But that is a better percentage chance in this upcoming draft than the Ducks had to win the lottery in the first place.
2: Yeah. So and,
1: and so, I I just can't help but feel frustrated by that. And now, granted, from the NHL's perspective, this is. When they came up with the draft lottery format like this after it was post Connor McDavid, when they came up with this format, this is exactly what they were trying to do. They did not want teams to tank. And so they came up with this format. So this is exactly what the NHL wants. But here's the question. Is this the correct format to have? And I think that is the correct conversation to have is, should a team in Detroit be picking fourth overall? You is know that what? fair?
0: You know what? What is what how do we define fairness in a league where bad teams constantly get rewarded for being bad by picking higher and good teams get punished by not being able to keep their teams together with a under the cap system and draft were in worse positions year after year. What is fair about that is my question.
1: Fair. If I mean you're, that, it, that's a good point. I think mm-hmm.
0: the, the the term fairness here is being used kind of loosely. I agree in the sense that we have a framework in this in the NHL the, the the framework is the the worse you play the worse your team performs the, the higher you will end up picking and everybody has been operating under that framework since you know for a in the last chunk of the of, NH, of the NHL's history um, however that doesn't make it okay but that's just the framework and so teams have been constructing their rosters making decisions with that framework in mind so to kind of just throw that all out the window all at once because of this crazy time that we're in i think that that's a little tough for those teams because they've been playing by a certain set of rules but at the same time i actually don't feel bad for the detroit red wings because they're not here in this position because they've been a model franchise they've actually been one of the worst run franchises for the last few years now after being a model one for the early part of the of the millennium so i don't really feel bad for anybody here i think that uh you know justice was served the teams that have been bad are going to pick higher they're going to get better players and the only way this is a bad outcome for me is if the Edmonton Edmonton Oilers get the first overall pick anything outside of that we're okay we're okay I
2: think it's it, it, keep in mind it, it, I think something that isn't talked about enough when it comes to fairness is that the NHL having a salary cap is what enables this type of dynamic to take place. The salary cap is what forces teams to sell off to make it in their better interest to tank, to try and, you know, be rewarded for being bad. And, you know, I I think we've talked about this before, as we've talked about in the past. I think that all three of us would probably agree the fact that we would prefer if teams didn't tank like we would like all teams to try and be competitive and to in a perfect world and in order to try and win a cup but the reality is is that the system has it set up to where that's just not a realistic scenario and and tanking is rewarded. So that I think more than anything else needs to be addressed before cool. you address the, the, the imbalance. Yeah. and And I
1: think we, I think the, the point to bring up of why that is the case, because I think the, why is also important here is when you're dealing with the salary cap system, you're capping how much an entry level player can make. And you have, and even RFAs. Yes. Uh, Mitch Marner kind of bucked that trend and there's, it's starting to go that route a little bit more, but historically RFAs make less than UFAs. That's just kind of the standard in the NHL. And so when you're drafting a player, um, you're getting that superstar and you're getting him at very cheap level for you and that allows you to fill out other roster spots better and so by having this cap format where you it's not a budgetary concern it's uh trying to stay underneath this uh arbitrary number that's set by hockey related revenue um you're essentially forcing teams when they're bad to focus on getting that type of player because that type of player is then cheap and under club control For years and years and years and so in some ways i mean all of the above points are right that it's the system that has made this happen and time actually in our twitch chat brought up it's not fair but it's for competitive reasons try to competitively rebalance the league and so yes detroit has been bad but part of that also for detroit is that they were bad because they spent so many years trying to just maintain and stay in the playoffs and and keep up that that playoff streak that they had. And this is the result of what happens by trying to hang on for too long. And you have your superstar players, and they eventually leave, and you're left with nothing. And so Mm -hmm. how are you supposed to get a superstar player in this league? It's very rare. It's very rare to see see one that goes uh, through free agent signing. It's very rare. I mean, John Tavares is a recent one. And you're not going to get him in his most productive years. You're going to get him as he's exiting his peak. And mm-hmm. and it's very hard to find trades because once a team has that player, it's very rare to see them move them. Well, which you're S- so, sorry to cut you
0: off, but speaking of trades that can to land a superstar player, Eric Carlson going to San Jose and San, yes. San Jose flips its first round pick. You saw how that ended but up tonight.
1: Carlson was also yeah Carlson was also twenty eight. You're not getting him in his prime production years or 20 or twenty nine. Right, but right?
0: that's the only available time to get a superstar you know yes. via trade and,
1: and and that's my point and we're starting to see that the prime production years for players is going to be what it starts at 22 23 and extends until about 28 29 and so the only way that you get a, an nhl superstar in their prime years is through the draft that that's the only way and so that's where kind of backtracking to why the draft is so important why teams do try to prioritize it to get this I mean, for Detroit, what was it? 20, 18% chance or 19% chance at first overall? It's because of that possibility of seven years of this high-end, top-end talent. So we've now discussed the three ways that you can acquire players are si- signing, trade, or through the draft. Those are your three ways. And so yeah. if, if the signing is now off the table for most of them, trades typically don't happen. The draft's the only option. So it's... It it, that's kind of where this is coming from. And so if the draft is that much of an option, I just don't know how the NHL can then be saying, well, we need to do it to stop teams from tanking. And it's like that that to me is the frustrating part. I think Detroit, I, I think you have a lottery for first overall. I think then Detroit ends up second. I think that feels a little bit better to me. Well, what's done is done. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep. We can debate this all day and night, but at the end of the day, Definitely. it has been done. And so one thing I did want to talk about a little bit, and this might be a little too much of dancing over the grave, but its it does bear mentioning that the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks <clears throat> sorry, have had similar timelines for their rebuild. I feel like they've been either middling or bad for about the same amount of time now. Can we agree with that?
1: Yep. Uh, Kings yep. maybe one year earlier. Maybe yeah, maybe of- the
0: Ducks exited their peak competitive years a little after. But look at where that has led both franchises. It's kind of a... It's an interesting dichotomy of approaches because for the Kings, they... I don't want to say they went all in on rebuilding, but it feels like they were more committed to that, to, to not... Trying to thread the needle of being both competitive and rebuilding at the same time, it feels like they went more for that than the Ducks did. And although the the Kings only had uh, three less points than the Ducks this season, look where that landed them. They got the second overall pick. Well, they're
1: good, and, it, and it's e- and it's even closer than that, right? When you look, because it, it's three less points, but mm-hmm. by points percentage, it, it's even tighter. Which is how. Right. The, the the order was uh, but so was set. but
0: that's but that's the thing is that the kings have amassed all of these prospects and their yep. their prospect system is is viewed more highly uh, you know amongst kind of scouting the scouting community than the, than the ducks system is and now they add that big piece in what will probably be Quinton Byfield whereas the ducks I think that they have tried more to thread the needle and. Look, they could have very easily, the odds were not that far apart, very easily gotten to that top three as well. But that's kind of where you end up now. And it's just interesting to see the, the, where these teams are at now with their relatively close timelines. I mean, which team would you say right now is closer to competing for a Stanley Cup? Is it the Ducks or is it the Kings? Who, who has a roadmap that's more clear cut right now? This is an open question. I don't know it's Go it, for it, that's
2: either. a that's a really interesting one. I think I've characterized the rebuild strategies in my mind there's two different rebuild strategies going on right now between Rob Blake and Bob Murray. To me, Bob Murray is rebuilding to become a playoff contender again. Rob Blake is rebuilding to be a cup contender. And to me, cup contender and playoff contender are two different things. Yep. Um, yep. And so, it, it, and that's the thing is that like, look, it, Blake has taken kind of big swings way more than Murray has, where Murray has taken way more of a let's wait and see approach. And I think a lot of that was also dictated, as Felix said, by the trying to thread the needle of trying to be competitive, but also not trying to tank or sell off. Um, So, uh, you know, kind of as it stands right now, I'm not entirely sure that one team is better than the other. I'm still at this point probably expecting the Ducks to miss next year's playoffs as it currently stands. Um, but uh, and I don't know if the Kings are quite there yet, um, but I believe that their competitive window to where they have a shot at the playoffs will probably come at the same time. I just think the Kings are going to be better come their playoff window than the Ducks will.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. I think that I could honestly see the Ducks making the playoffs sooner than the Kings, but once the Kings make the playoffs, they're going to be a, a tough team to handle because, I mean the the thing with the kings is their system is just really deep yeah and prior to this i think the the complaint that you could have is alex turcott was supposed to be that high end talent for them and he just he didn't have a good year at wisconsin it didn't and, and people were starting to have concerns about that for the king system but they were deep and they were making moves uh getting uh tyler madden was that the guy's name that they got from yes. uh for tyler yeah. foley which, mm-hmm. which and this goes back to even last year with us talking about Jacob Silverberg that they moved Tyler Toffoli as a unrestricted free agent or going into as a rental and they got a guy back who was one of the best college players around the Ducks could have done a similar thing with Jacob Silverberg instead they resigned him um to get his 29 through 33 years or something around there right. uh, uh, and so You look at the Kings, though, and now they're going to get that high-end prospect because that is what their system was missing. And so this takes them from just being near the top to they have the top prospect system in the league. And to me, it's not close. It's just not. Unequivocally. They have the depth. They have the depth. They have the high-end talent.
0: Here's what I do want to point out, and that is a good point, is that I don't think that the Ducks and the Kings have had these really – like We've already talked about the timelines are really similar. And I don't think that the, the the Kings have necessarily gone in on being a bad team and really just kind of tanking, so to speak, to rebuild. But when it's been time to make a move, when it's been time to make a decision, are we going to value the future more or the present? They've shown pretty consistently what they value. We've seen that with the trades that they've made at the, the past deadlines. Tyler Toffoli, Alec Martinez, right? and even going back, uh Jake Muzzin, right, they have shown their hand now. And whereas the Ducks, like Jake just said, they have instead drilled down the idea that we're gonna keep our veterans and we're gonna keep them around and we're just gonna see what happens. And
1: What player of this I, I don't know.
0: I, I mean I mean the verdict is still out, right? We we still don't know or sorry, the jury's still out. We, we we still don't know where this is going to go, right? I mean, the, the, the Ducks could end up being the much better team. There's an argument to be made for that. But with the Kings, I feel like if you just make the right string of decisions, you put yourself in a better position to where if you do get lucky, now all of a sudden you are so – you're just taking a huge leap ahead. Yeah, if the Ducks had gotten Quentin Byfield, that definitely – if they had gotten that second overall pick, I think that that definitely – Vaults them ahead, but how much? You know, so is it, are they necessarily as positioned for kind of that here's, that next wave?
1: Here's because a, they're still paying off the last wave. Here's an interesting thought that I want to kind of run by you guys, and this is one thing that I don't know. If struggled with is the best way to put it, but it, it's ran through my head. I've, for anyone list, that's listened to this podcast, you know my frustration with the way Bob Murray's handled this rebuild, retool, whatever the hell you want to call it. I've had a lot of frustrations with it. The fact that they didn't sell off. Very different guys, and they've kept essentially every player that's 26 plus while selling off guys in their early 20s that are entering their prime. And that's the exact opposite of what they should be doing. Um, so I have lots of frustrations. Um, I think if they would have gotten first or second overall, that would have been a that that almost in a way would have allowed Bob Murray to or allowed people to sweep that under the rug in a way.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of
1: mm-hmm. due to luck in a way. Uh, pastes over those holes it allows you to not necessarily see them and they may go away completely because of that player so although yes i am very very disappointed in the uh in the fact that they didn't get the first second or third overall pick because of what that would have meant to my viewing enjoyment i also think that that almost would have been like a get out of jail free card for bob murray and in some ways i'm kind of not happy, but I, I'm interested to see where this goes because he's not able to end up with that crux anymore that they got the first right. overall pick. And, and so that that's one thing that kind of has been going around in my noggin for the last little bit ever since the news has come out that the Ducks got sixth overall. And so I'm curious well, but, what your guys' thoughts on, are on well, that. Well,
2: that's the thing is that, like, he, here's the thing, and I think that's a really good point you bring up because let's be honest here. Bob Murray... You know, gets a lot of credit for the Ducks playoff run of the 2010s. And I think he does deserve some credit for that. But he also inherited Corey Perry and Ryan Getzloff right like he had nothing to do with that and it, honestly Corey and Perry and Ryan Getzloff I haven't specifically run the numbers but I believe that if you had taken them out and maybe you replaced them with like a league average or a slightly better than league average player the Ducks don't make the playoffs nearly as many times as they do Corey Perry and Ryan Getzloff were basically the offense for the Ducks for so long supported by you know some secondary players you can definitely give him some credit for John Gibson John Gibson was a huge reason why the Ducks were you know in it and um, made the playoffs for a while I think he definitely deserves some credit there but he coasted on the reputation basically and having Corey Perry and Ryan Getzloff in their primes basically allowed him to not have to make these big moves or to try and do this and he doesn't have that excuse anymore so now we're in another situation where You know, the Ducks have six overall, and he doesn't have this get-out-of-jail-free card anymore with winning a lottery pick like you mentioned, Jake. So I personally, and this is just anecdotal, I don't have any data behind this, but my anecdotal feeling is that a lot of the fan base is starting to sour on Bob Murray. I don't want to say they say like, get him out of here or that he's awful or anything like that. But the opinion of Bob Murray amongst the fan base definitely isn't as high as it was a couple of years ago. So, you know, kind of coming through for the remainder of his contract here for the next year or two, it'll be really interesting to see how he responds and how people react to the moves that he makes.
0: There's definitely a lot to talk about there, but so for Ducks fans, I think we should we should move on to a little more positive here because we don't want to lose anybody. This is not a bad fair. fair. Uh, this I, I is think not that a was... bad. Out... Well, we're being realistic. Yes. We're being honest. We're being critical. Yeah, but in a fair way. We're not doing this to bash, but it, it's it's a moment in time to reflect because these draft lotteries decide the futures of franchises and people's jobs. I mean, that's that's how important that they can be. Uh, just ask the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2005 and also the Ducks in 2005 for that matter. Um, or would it have been, yeah, it's the 2005 draft. So the point being, moving forward now, the sixth overall pick, as we've discussed a little bit here, is not a bad place to be. So let's just game this out a little bit because now we've, we've it feels like we've been doing mock drafts for the last two months as we've been bored in, in, in quarantine here. Um, however, now we have an idea of what those picks are going to be. So why don't we do this? Let's go through the first five picks and let's try to be as realistic as we can and get to the sixth overall pick for the ducks and then decide, step into the shoes of the franchise and see who they would decide. to so Kaden Gooley, you first overall
2: realism. Boom. <laughs>
0: are you guys up for this? Yeah, so I'm ready. Should we should we just skip the first overall pick because we already know is going to go there anyway, regardless of the For team, sure. it's and... going to be Alexi Lafreniere. Let, let me ask you this just quickly: Where would you put the percentage probability that it's someone other than Alexi Lafreniere at first overall?
1: One like percent, maybe
2: less, less than one percent.
0: Yeah, I would go probably one percent. I think that there's teams that really love Quinton Byfield, and the fact that some of these team that these teams have more playoff potential already they may talk themselves into, oh, well, what if we got a center instead? I could see that being a possibility, which I don't think would be the right way to go because I think Alexi Lafreniere is the better player right now, and I think there's an argument to be made. He will be the better player eventually anyway, but it's possible. But let's just go Alexi Lafreniere for the sake of simplicity in this exercise. At second overall, assuming Lafreniere goes first, it's got to be Quentin Byfield. There's
1: no way that Kings don't select Byfield. Yeah, I got to think it's Byfield. Also, you factor in, and this is one thing I just saw, um, that's a very interesting development with this in terms of if teams at all factor in their, the player's ability to play this upcoming season in this at all. As in, if you have two players that are right next to each other and maybe the fact that one can play this season and one can't, maybe that pushes you one way or the other. But uh, people don't know what's going to happen with the fact that European leagues may start before the NHL, so players will be under contract. So Tim Stutzle will technically be under contract, and I don't know if there's an out clause, and so people are concerned that he may actually not be able to play in the NHL because of when the draft happens.
0: Well, he's not necessarily projected to play in the NHL next year anyway. So true. I don't know how high of a concern that is, but it is something to consider. Yes. So
2: I want to come in with the hot take. I think that uh, there's a non Are we talking about the second overall pick? Yes, yes. I think that there's actually a... I, I still think that the most likely outcome is Byfield to the Kings, but I can see a scenario where they go Stutzli over Byfield, specifically because the Kings are very deep at center. Kopitar is still a very good player and likely will be for another, at least, you know, year or two. Um uh and and he's not going anywhere anytime soon with that big contract of his. They've got Akil Thomas, who looks like a good, you know, potential middle six guy. Turkett, you know, yeah, he didn't have a great year last year, but he still has that, you know, that shine on him. And he's still very young. He can still put it together. The The Kings are generally very deep at center right now. And after Bob McKenzie's ranking, keep in mind, Bob McKenzie's rankings had Tim Stutzley at second. And it, that's less, that that's based off of him serving actual NHL scouts, not necessarily just his opinion. So there is some disagreement within the scouting community that Stutzley may be high, ranked higher than byfield um and we don't know so i i still like i said i still think they'll go byfield but let's put it this way i would not be shocked if stutzley goes second
0: i just think that would be such a mistake if they got stutzley at two i i I would agree with you i would
2: agree with you i'm just saying in a in, in in the current situation i think it's a realistic possibility yeah
0: Here's the thing, here's here's why the Kings should draft Byfield because yeah, they have a bunch of setters, but now you can trade some of those guys yeah. <laughs> and fill in other spots because Byfield just he is so much above all the center prospects at right now. But yeah, that's definitely something to consider. Okay, third overall, Ottawa Senators with well actually third overall, San Jose Sharks, but the Senators yeah. on the pick. Yeah. So by the way, quick moment of silence for the Eric Carlson trade for the San Jose Sharks. Uh you know, it didn't really work out. Of course, at the time, I said it was a great trade for them. I would say it again because you can't really grade it on how it shakes out. you got to grade it on the available information at the time, valuing the risk. But this is a terrible outcome. This is like yeah. the worst possible outcome for them. Yeah. So, little moment of silence there. Okay. Ottawa Senators with their first pick at third overall, who do they
1: select? This is where the draft starts to me at third overall. So this is why I brought up the the Tim Stutzle thing is, does this affect their opinion or decision-making here? And they go for a guy that is more an inch already and could be someone from their backyard in Marco Rossi. And so that's kind of where I'm leaning is that they probably go Marco well, Rossi.
0: You got to make a pick. Marco. So you're saying Rossi. And CJ, where do you stand at number three?
2: I think it's uh, Stutzley If it's not, uh, if Byfield does go second, it's, it's going to be Stutesley.
0: So I can come in here as the decider. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. You know, as much as I love Marco Rossi, I don't see him going third overall. I just think that's really high for him. I personally think he sh- he's worthy of that slot, but that is it. Just based on what we've seen with people's rankings and Bob McKenzie's rankings, I think I got to agree with CJ. I think Tim Stutzley is going to be the pick at three. Jake, you lose. Sorry, Log Jake. off. Log Jake, off. Fair. Jake, Jake, you know that I, I I ride for Marco Rossi. You do. Maybe more than anyone out there, but well, it's I I don't I don't see him going three. Now this has um, gotten
1: interesting though,
0: because yes, 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 here we go. Well, so let's uh, go to fourth overall. I I feel like we should be doing some explanation of these prospects, but. For anyone who really has not read up on the prospects at all, if you're just kind of wondering what the heck we're talking about right now, um, this week on Crash the Pond, we have an article up about how each possible pick, you know, which player would make the Ducks franchise move forward the fastest. And so I would recommend maybe checking that out. It's kind of a quick and easy way to get a read on these guys. So quick plug there. Okay, so we got Stutzle at three fourth overall the detroit red wings who are heartbroken and they deserve the first overall pick according to to jake but where do they go for what what do they what do they recover what do they salvage out of the rubble here that was their hopes at
1: first overall do they go for jamie drysdale
2: oh there's a well, good chance okay. what's well, the deep pipeline looking okay. like
0: um uh, okay, they've got actually. more cider yeah, and they've got a uh, Philip Horonick, who's really
1: is, good. Is here, um, here. I want to throw this out there really quickly. Actually, let me, real quick. If the Senators are fifty-fifty on Rossi and um, and Stutzle, do they potentially take Drysdale at three?
0: I don't see them. I don't, I don't, don't see, see that Drysdale do going three. You, do you
1: understand um, where I'm going with this? Though is that there's the potential that Detroit could take Drysdale at four. If they are even on Rossi and, and Stutzley, that means one of them will be right. available at 5. I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I think unless they have worked it out
0: between both teams, you we don't have that ability here. Right? No. We don't have the, the, no. the back channel Just a ran- random thought though. It is a good it is a it is actually a pretty valid concern, but let's remember that Steve Eiserman picked Moritz Sider last year at what, 10th overall? No, 6th. Was six. it 10th overall? 6th. Yep. which was totally off the board. Um, so let's go with the chaos pick here. I don't think he's going to draft the, the guy we expect here. So who would that be?
2: You know, I'm wondering based solely off of, like, based on one of the biggest things for location here, if Perfetti's on the board here, because Perfetti is, you know, from Saginaw, Michigan, which is just uh, like an hour north Ooh. or so of of Detroit. Um, and so there's a very real uh, scenario where, yeah, um, you know, Yazerman has a lot of exposure to Perfetti. So um, I, I personally think that Perfetti could be a prime candidate here to go to Detroit.
0: So is that your pick? You gotta make a that's, pick.
2: That's that's my pick. Is perfetti. You're going
0: Cole Perfetti at number four. Whew, man. That's not a yeah. bad pick, to be honest. It's 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 out there enough, but not too out there. I mean, there. Yeah.
1: Russ, I mean so sorry, uh he's not who I would pick up no, for by but, the way. but perfetti, by the way, just so you know, uh Corey Proman, who's pretty plugged in with kind of scouts and different things like that, along with his own scouting has perfetti as the the fifth best prospect so yeah the, the industry is pretty high on him so, yeah, so that's not a shocking so i'll go with that you know what screw it let's do it
0: well typically i try to be the devil's advocate but i actually agree with this selection by you too so i'm gonna make it a clean sweep and it's cold perfetti at four so a little recap well we'll do the recap after five so the ottawa senators are up with the fifth overall pick so we've got Jamie Drysdale available, Marco Rossi, Alexander Holtz, Lucas Raymond. Um, those are the names that I'm thinking are, are in play at five. Jake Sanderson, who are we thinking at fifth overall?
1: Jake, I, go think for it's it. got, I, I think it's Drysdale.
2: Yeah, I'm going to agree with Jake him. Is, I agree too. Jake Drysdale. is very
0: convinced that Ottawa is going forward in
2: D. Yeah, I am. I think so too. I'm, that, I'm with Jake. Is
0: that the right play? Is that the right yes. play?
2: 100% yes, 100% the right play for ottawa specifically tell me, absolutely t-
1: tell me why tell me why because that gets them a potential uh franchise uh player at forward and another one at defense and so you're able okay. to hit the two big need two big needs on a franchise in one draft
0: so we agreed that they're taking a defenseman at five.
2: Oh boy are, gonna... are you going sanderson at five
0: i'm just i'm asking you what do you uh, think is the possibility Felix, they go you're sanderson us right now wow wow i'm asking you
2: I, there's what no the way, I mean Drysdale, I, I, I still think Drysdale goes Sanderson's five. I don't see Sanderson's any name. Uh, I don't see yeah. Sanderson yeah. going ahead of Drysdale, I don't see any His name that has been
0: percolating I, too much lately, it, it, the, there's, there's is, gotta be fire, there's too much smoke
1: right now his, his well, name is just rising he, up the ranks. He plays more of a stay-at-home. They've compared him to Hampus Lindholm type of game. Keep in
0: mind, they, they have Thomas Chabot, exactly. who is a franchise well, defenseman. Yeah. And
1: didn't Isn't they it? trade for some – I forgot who they got, uh, Brandstrom? Eric Brandstrom. Yeah, but yeah. he's
0: he's not really
1: a lock right now. But I know that he, they're he, high on him. Yeah. but So maybe they look at, yeah. at Sanderson because Jamie Drysdale is more of kind of a – high risk high reward type of player and they kind of have that already maybe Mm -hmm. they do that but i mean if they're looking at defenseman and best player available it's got to be jamie drysdale i
0: I, I am gonna so okay so we've got you two saying drysdale i am gonna complete the sweep with drysdale yet again kind of boring that we're all agreeing but here's the thing thomas shabbat is a left-handed d and uh jamie drysdale is a right-handed d so just based on that alone, that old hockey truism that you got to have a righty and a lefty, I mean, it'd be pretty awesome to see Shabbat and Drysdale in the same pairing. So I think for that possibility alone, they go dream Jimmy Drysdale. So just to recap recap our draft so far, um, at first overall, of course, Alexi Lafreniere, Quinton Byfield to LA, Tim Stutzle to Ottawa at three, and we've got Cole Perfetti. God, it just feels weird saying that at four to the Detroit Red Wings. And then Jamie Drysdale at five to Ottawa. Anaheim Ducks, you're on the clock. Uh,
1: who do you got at sixth overall? So this I, I mean, I know who you're taking so at le- this point. Let's
0: uh let's do this because this is what fans want to know. Is let's do let's do this first because we've been doing it pretty realistically so far. Let's start with who you think they will pick, and then after that we'll do who we who we think who we think they should pick. So let's start with the, the kind of realistic prediction type pick. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we'll get into our opinions. So, where do the Ducks go at six? Go for because it. Because Martin, Ma- Martin Madden, who we'll talk about later, he has been talking a little bit about draft philosophy, hasn't tipped his hand at all. His comments have been pretty much useless for us to figure out who they're picking. But he has kept saying that it, from what he's talked about, it doesn't sound like they're that concerned with timeline of how soon a guy will be available. That's all I'll say. So CJ, let's let's hear your prediction for the Ducks pick at 6. <sighs> this
2: is uh, this is a tough this one. Is an, this
0: is an all-timer. <laughs>
2: this 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 really is, you know, my realistic sense wants to say Lucas Raymond just because of the Swedish connection and how fond Bob is specifically of scouting Sweden. Uh, that being said, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. There, there appears um, uh, there's been some reports lately that NHL scouts aren't quite as high on Raymond as a lot of other people are in the Twitterverse, and uh, I know Raymond's been getting a lot of love, especially from the European scouts and the people who cover European hockey. So I want I want to say Raymond because of that, but be because of some of the questions as well. Um, I personally my Realistic pick in this situation Is probably going to be Marco Rossi Um, And just the fact that Rossi Is Yeah, I just think Rossi Is probably Better than Raymond right now Um, And I think Rossi would probably Be able to contribute faster than Raymond Would Um, Now you did say that they aren't super Concerned with timeline I'm a little skeptical That's just Martin Madden You know
0: (laughs) platitude speak we don't know if that's true
2: yeah speaking from bob speaking from bob murray's thing i i think he would prefer somebody who could probably produce earlier rather than later and so that's primarily dictating my choice of rossi here now to be completely honest for my personal pick um i'm all about fun i love fun i'm the type of person who my ideal hockey game so
0: you're saying rossi sorry to cut you off you're saying rossi for your pick as the as the real logical action. ducks pick, as You're my going... logical ducks pick. Okay, well let's we'll circle back to your personal okay. pick. Let, let's okay. get through That's these fair. these predictions. So, Jake, who are you predicting at
1: six? Alexander Holtz. Wow, interesting. Okay. Defense. here. Here, defend here's the your, reason is that Bob Mur- Bob Murray has been on the record saying he's going into this draft hoping to find goals. Okay, with, like has with, he said without it? He has 100 said that he said that like uh, months and months we, we ago we did an entire
0: podcast at his press press conference and I don't remember him saying that no
1: th- no this was not the press conference i think this was during that uh post uh trade deadline pancake breakfast thing <laughs> I think are it's also important to we, remember.
0: Are we quoting the pancake breakfast right now? Is that hey, where we're at? Hey. So, but yeah.
2: here's the thing. Here, here's something to remember. There is a truism when it comes to covering GMs. And there's a universal truth that f- at least 50% of whatever comes out of a GM's mouth is total horseshit so yes but what about yes. but what
0: if it's said at a pancake breakfast what is yes. what is the math oh at that are?
2: point it's 80 percent sure <laughs> At that if point, it's it's I- sure. if it's i hop pancakes, I-Hop pancakes everybody truthful.
1: yeah it's for sure gonna be true so going back to that point though about him saying looking for goals <laughs> to me the fact that uh alexander holtz is probably the best goal scorer in this draft probably he he may end up being one of the best goal scorers could be a 40 goal scorer by the end of it all um I mean, you have this quote from Lucas Raymond on Holtz. His shot is enormous. He has great vision and stick handling. Um, If you watch videos of him, his shot just really uh, goes off the board or pops off the board at you. And so to me, that's the logical pick if he's available is that this is kind of a mixture of best player available slash. um, It's a mixture of best player available slash kind of meeting the need of the team. And so they already have the quote unquote playmaker and Trevor Zegras. Now they're filling in the score for him. And so that's why I think I, I think from a Ducks perspective of looking at what they have and kind of drafting for need, which I could see them doing, Alexander Holtz is the guy I see.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't say he's just a draft for need guy either. He has a really no. high upside. He has fifty yeah. goal upside if everything breaks right. So that's not you're selling short sure, a little bit there. Fair. Just calling Fair. just calling you out probably un- un- unnecessarily, but doing my I job think only. Uh, the, I, I think mean, I, only said really I said he was
2: really good. I said he was... Well, I think the only other thing to remember with that whole situation is that Bob says he's looking for goals. Which, yeah, I mean, obviously the Ducks need goals, but yeah. also remember Bob's uh, tendency to go for the two-way players for the playmakers over the pure goal scorers too. So oh, there's a couple well, of things. That are, work are we here. are
1: we thinking Anton Lindell at six? Is that word? Oh God! Well, no. <laughs> Re- real quick, real quick, on on the Marco Rossi note, the reason why I kind of think he gets knocked down in the Ducks book. And this is a pure look in the mind of Bob Murray. Size. Marco Rossi is not big.
0: He, well, he's not. He's tall. Not,
1: He's only five
2: nine. But
1: he's he's, the, he's jacked. But he's he is. It. He's yeah. 183,
2: one eighty three five nine. That's pretty jacked.
1: Yeah. Yes. But how many times do you see people say five nine and they focus well, on that? There
0: are questions yeah. also about if he's going to even be a center in the NHL. Which yeah. even if that's totally wrong. Guys who have that narrative following them, it it scares people off.
1: I I, I think for people that don't know that haven't seen a whole lot about Marco Rossi, the reason why I think it goes to CJ's point of him being a Ducks pick is he plays a hard game. He plays a very hard game, goes to the front of the net, plays that style of game that kind of almost is the modern version of what the Ducks want.
0: Okay, so let me go to my prediction pick. Go for it. Because i will get into the who we would pick i'm gonna go with jake as well or what with what jake said i think it's alexander holtz because i think he is close to nhl ready if you look i mean he played a full season and as a pro already and he did very well in that role he does fill a clear need which is goal scoring (laughs) you just gotta love saying that felix you're dead to me need goal scoring well don't worry cj you still have reason to, to like me once we circle back to our personal picks. But Felix,
2: are you trying to tell me right now that you can't just pass the puck back and forth and never score?
0: Here's the thing. Is that
2: not a valid hockey strategy?
0: Alexander Holtz is a very defensible pick at six because not only does he have an elite shot, but like Jake was saying, or I don't know if Jake said this, but he's I think he's more than just a shooter. He has shown an ability to mix it up. He, his ability to get to the front of the net improved as the season went along in the SHL. And he, the Ducks just don't have anyone close to that in their system, like not even remotely close in terms of a high-level scoring winger who's going to get a ton of shot volume. They, they don't have that, and they need that. And he's also a very good player. So key is my prediction for who they will pick. Okay, CJ, let's get to your to who you would draft if you were the GM of the Ducks at 6.
2: Yeah, in a in a stunning reversal here, I actually think Alexander Holtz is pick. Oh my, my pick. god. So uh, you- at- ah. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's hear it. Yeah. Hear it.
2: Because again, for everything that you said, like he he's he's a pure goal scorer. He's not the type of draft pick that Bob Murray has historically taken. But it's something that the Ducks need so desperately. I love goals. If any of you know me, my ideal hockey game is like no defense, no goaltending, like. N- Seven to six final score. I love that type of hockey, and so uh, the the Ducks being able to go for Alexander Holtz, I think, I, and I agree with you for the reasons why he might be a Ducks pick, and he's completely defensible. It's not like Alexander Holtz is a reach in any way at six. Um he I might be off the board already at six. <laughs> he he might be off the board, but I just feel like for for me, just purely based on the just insane goal scoring upside of him, I can just imagine. Alexander Holtz on the wing uh, just absolutely launching Trevor Zegers passes for the next, you know, five, six years. Like the thought of that is amazing. Until I think that's the argument. Yeah.
1: I think that's the argument for for Holtz is that's a guy that you compare with Zegers and they will play off each other. Because I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe that Trevor Zegers in the national development program played a lot with Cole Caulfield he did and, yeah and so he had a trigger man with him and maybe that's a reason why cole caulfield looks so good as he had zgrass setting him up or but, vice versa uh, wow so, we, we have we have <laughs> we have plenty of a sample size with zgrass that uh he sets up whoever he's with and so having right. an elite goal score with him would be great um i'd be tempted to go with holtz but as my personal pick, but to be different, and I know where Felix is going to go just because of where we've talked. Because of our, so I'm group, not gonna, because of our group text. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not going to out Felix and take his. I'm not going to take Holtz. I'm going to be different, and I'm going to go with Lucas Raymond.
0: Ooh. And, okay. and so
1: Ray, Raymond's a guy that I've actually been somewhat down on um, due to uh, the fact that he really didn't break into the, the Swedish Elite League that well this year. Um, part of it was his team was really good. But he's a guy that will probably be either at center or at wing. So he could be on the wing of Seagrass. And he could be at center with Seagrass on the wing. Who knows where they want to go with it. But he's a guy that actually has a very sneaky, very good shot. Um, He doesn't use it as much. So that's maybe the only issue there. Um, But he's a really great playmaker also. And as Alexander Holtz, this is from the Corey Prominent, said, he's a special playmaker. His vision is great, but he can also shoot it and skates very well. And so this would give the Ducks a good one-two punch in terms of playmaking talent that they then just have to find some guys that they can fill in with those two. Yeah. And so I'm going to go with that because it gives you the one-two punch potentially down the middle or if you want to put them on one wing. And you look at a lot of the great teams throughout the throughout the league that have had great success. You look at, for instance, not saying that they're going to be at this level, but you look at Pittsburgh, for instance, with Prosby and Malkin. You look at a lot of the, the better teams in the league. They have us first and a second line center. And so my personal pick would be Raymond because this gives the Ducks that potential first and second line center. Um, And so that's kind of where I'm at with that and why I'm going to go with him. Um, The other thing that I do want to mention on him is, yes, Scott Wheeler had the the tweet today basically saying that a lot of NHL scouts are kind of down on him. My only response to that is that I wonder how many of them are actually over there watching him in his uh, non-Swedish Elite League games. And to me, if there's any team that wouldn't sleep on a guy and have him properly scouted, it would be the Ducks in terms of a yeah. Swedish player. And, and so yeah. that that's why I'm personally, I'm like, if the Ducks do take him, that's because he's proven to them and shown it and, and kind of buck that trend that is kind of happening in terms of the, the narrative. Well,
0: because I think he's going to get really overshadowed up until the draft. He may end yes. up being one of the best players that, to come out of this draft. He, he may go third. He's extremely skilled. And before this season, he was much higher on all draft boards until he didn't get that much playing time in the SHL. So, Jake, you, you hinted at it. Just This is my moment to talk about Marco Rossi. Go for are. it. Go for it. The floor is <laughs> yours. I mean, the guy had 120 points in 56 games in the OHL this year. Yeah. And I understand that he is, it's really hard because if you look at previously to getting to the OHL, so in his rookie year for the 67s, he had 65 points in 53 games, which is really good. I mean, he had 22 points in 17 games in the playoffs that year, but I mean, he played in the Swiss junior league before getting there. There, there just wasn't a lot of exposure to this guy at kind of trusted, Uh, levels of play where you know scouts traditionally can feel good about their evaluation so the book on him is a little hard to read for some but what he has done what we do have available is just so hard to ignore he just he's the full package he's a playmaking center who can shoot who can make plays for others with his creativity he's got hands to dangle around the opposition like like we've talked about he's really strong he gets to the front of the net he just kind of does it all, and whether he ends up being a, a center or a winger, that doesn't really concern me that much because he's just going to be a very high-end forward, and that's going to make your team better. I don't care that he's five nine. Give me Marco Rossi. I'm taking him at 6, and I am viewing that as a steal for me at 6. So, there you go. So, just to recap... CJ doubled back and went Holtz after calling me out for picking Holtz in my prediction. (laughs) Jake went Lucas Raymond, and then I went Marco Rossi. So we're pretty split. This is our first one where we've gone different in all three.
1: Real quick, I'm trying to look at... So, sorry to kind of backtrack slightly in terms of who gets first overall. So if the return-to-play program happens, it was the 12th seed in terms of lottery percentage, right? So that would be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. The Vancouver Canucks. Right. The Vancouver Canucks would have the, the first overall pick. If uh, – or sorry, never mind, misunderstood. Isn't th- There's still going to be a lottery mm-hmm. for the yep. teams that didn't make it. Never mind. Everybody gets a 12-and-a-half chance. Okay. I misunderstood for, for a hot so, second. Yeah. Sorry yeah, about that. Yeah, we're a
0: little burnt out here on the draft. So anything else you guys want to add? <laughs> anything
1: else? Any
0: takeaways from tonight's lottery or the Ducks' future, um, anything
1: like that? No matter what, the Ducks are getting a good player yeah. here. They're going to get, uh, as we've talked this through a little bit more, and you can see, I mean, there's really, the the potential is there for the Ducks to get any of, let me put these names out there, Tim Stutzla, Blake, uh, Stutzla Lucas Raymond, Cole Perfetti, Alexander Holtz, Jamie Drysdale, or Marco Rossi. Any of those players, or some of those players will be available for the Ducks. How many, who knows? Who will be taken, who won't be, who will be available, we don't know. But the Ducks will have their pick of one of those guys. So that is a very big positive for mm-hmm. the Ducks. Um and I think that's the the big thing moving forward with this and that's honestly looking back there, there are people out there. I'm, I'm slowly going through Twitter, and there are plenty of people out there being very anti-tank because this is why tanking doesn't work. Blah 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 blah. Things along those lines for the Ducks. This is why you do still tank because it's not necessarily at the be to give you the best chance to necessarily win the lottery. Always, it is to give yourself the a lowest pick, a lower pick to potentially get one of these guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that is the important part to know here is that the Ducks while yes they didn't win and that is frustrating them losing those games put them in the this position where they're gonna potentially get a franchise altering player right exactly yeah. and
0: actually just to your earlier point about lucas raymond i think in a way he could be kind of like the trevor zegres of this draft yeah where he, he's a little overlooked slips a little bit and then once he gets more of a spotlight really shines so cj did you have any any final notes about this kind of draft thread that we're on
2: no, I think we've done a lot of really good uh, talking about it, and I think uh, I just want everybody to have fun.
0: <laughs> My last thing, I'm I'm actually going to say another thing about Marco Rossi. We he is considered by many to be the most NHL ready outside of you know Alexi Lafreniere, and I think that that like I think CJ was alluding to makes him a more plausible pick for the Ducks if he's available. Because if Bob Murray wants to save his job, then coming coming and and drafting a guy who's going to have an immediate impact that's probably better for you in the short term I don't know yeah. if that's a reason to make the choice but or a good reason to make the choice but um, and the other thing is if he becomes a center if he truly does become a center man I think Zgrass and Rossi as a one-two punch oh. is just that would be terrific to watch that would be That could be one of the best tandems in the entire
1: league. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I want to hit this real quick. Uh, Benth 1997 said, when is the draft again? Um, So they have not set a date for the draft yet. Yeah, it's going to be they want to award the Stanley Cup. And then essentially what they're looking at doing is uh, running the playoffs. If it happens, awarding the Stanley Cup and then essentially having a month off. And I think that is all that they're planning on having off. Uh, and that is the amount of time they need to run all their offseason stuff. So like the draft, free agency, everything along those lines. So that's when we expect the draft to happen is probably September, October time. Another thing is the bizarre bit, And this is these are the three guys we were just talking about. How soon could we see Holtz, Rossi and Raymond on the Ducks? Well, in
0: in order, in order, Rossi's soonest, Holtz second, Raymond third.
1: If you had to put a, 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 how many if you had to put how many years on it? I would say
0: Rossi immediate, uh, because Mm -hmm. by all indications, he's going to go play pro next year somewhere. He's not going back to junior. Um, As far as Alexander Holtz, I think he's probably a year away, I would say. Maybe he makes the immediate jump. I think there's a possibility he makes the immediate jump, and I think Raymond is at least
1: one year away. I could see, if they have the option to, I could see them pulling Holtz or Raymond over to play in the AHL.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. We, they would be closer to home and we could watch them play. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Okay, let's uh, let's touch on this last news item and then we'll maybe do some questions. So if people want to submit questions in our chat here, go for it. Um, Ducks named Director of Amateur Scouting Martin Madden and promoted him to Assistant General Manager this week. So Martin Madden, who we've talked a lot about on this podcast and since we've been doing the show, He's going to be the assistant GM now. So that's a big bump. And from the sounds of it, uh, he's going to maintain a lot of his duties now, but he's going to bring all of his influence now over to the pro scouting side, which I have talked a lot about on the show as being a weakness for the Ducks. Yep. So he's been a guy who's been really good at finding talent all over the draft, a great track record, and now we'll see what kind of effect that has. So, Jake, what was your reaction to, to the news?
1: My initial reaction was, I mean, this is this is good news. And I think once you read, Eric Stevens had a really good article on this. And so if you have an athletic subscription, I really suggest you go and read that article that had quotes and stuff. Um, part of me is wondering how much of this was um, not a stalemate, but a blocking move of Seattle because it sounds like Matt, there was some interest from Seattle because Madden used to work in Carolina and has a relationship with Ron Francis. And so it sounds like maybe this there was a feeler sent out by Seattle and Bob Murray allowed uh, Madden to even talk to Ron Francis on that note, but supposedly they were negotiating this prior to that happening back in February. Um, I think a key thing to note is that this is something that was discussed by Murray with Madden and wasn't something from higher up, because there's been a lot of people speculating: is this uh, the Ducks general man- or Ducks ownership looking for a potential successor and go and finding that with Murray's contract being up in what? the twenty-one, twenty-two season it runs through yeah, that season. expansion draft yeah yeah it right, goes the season after the expansion draft mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. And, yep. and 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 so this is i to me i view this as in a way bob murray grooming his successor okay so that is Jake's stance
0: uh cj where do you stand on this or what was your reaction
2: i've I've got to agree i I was happy wow. I think that this is a yeah I think this is a well deserved promotion for Madden um i I am a little bit more down than a lot of other people are I think all of us are uh, 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 I don't think we're as high on the ducks drafting abilities underneath Martin Madden um uh, you know everybody says that Martin Madden and the ducks their strength is that they're great drafters. Well, when you really look at it, when you really break down a lot of the successes and stuff, they're actually fairly average drafters. Um, when you really look at it. Now that's the, now that's to say that doesn't mean that they're, and that means that they're not bad at their jobs. Like they take advantages. They, they, um, they get picks where they're supposed to. They get talent where they are in the draft. Um, and I think they've done a good job, and I think Martin Madden's been a huge part of that, and so I will be very excited to see him on the pro-scouting side of things. And like you said, I do agree that one of the weakest parts of this franchise is going to be um, the pro-scouting. Now, that being mm-hmm. said, I think that, and I would agree, that Madden is, uh, they are grooming Madden. For a couple reasons. Number one, because Madden kind of has earned the promotion. And he, I think he and Murray share a lot of very similar philosophies. Um, one of the reasons why they've worked so well together for so long. But also because the Ducks are totally the type of team that would go internal. You know, the Samuelis are extremely, extremely hands-off when it comes to hockey operations, for either better or worse. And pretty much, if it, it almost feels like if Bob Murray says, hey, pick this guy to be my successor, that's who they're going to go for. And so to me, all of this just kind of lines up perfectly, doing the internal, somebody who knows how things work and who's been groomed by the current guy who's been given so much leeway but from the Samuelis, I I just I think it's very likely that that's what's going on here.
0: So those are very interesting points because Martin Madden, he's not your... I mean, maybe I, I just don't understand the assistant GM position well enough, but I feel like a lot of AGMs in the league, they're more of the cap guy, right? They're more of the guy who's understanding the nuts and bolts. And maybe the Ducks, I mean, Dave Nonis is probably... That might be his capacity. I'm not sure. But Martin Radden b- brings a very specific skill set. And that is something that can, you know, not make or break a franchise, but it can give it a, a decided edge is just having someone who has a good eye for talent and say what you will about the Ducks drafting. But they have largely been able to identify guys who have some sort of upside or who can bring something to the table. And with that influence now in a much higher area, in a, in, in a, in a much grander way on the pro side i do wonder is that a guy who could also become a gm if he's kind of a career scout so to speak um i do wonder how that translate i mean well what you, if- you can surround yourself if let's say he became the gm you can surround yourself with guys who are more savvy with the cap savvy with all the like i was saying the nuts and bolts but a guy who has an eye for talent that's not always easy to find, and it's there are so many other factors to being a GM. But to me, that's kind of at the core of it: picking the better yeah. players. And if you can well, do yeah, that consistently, and so just looking at the situation for Bob Murray here, um, because YouTube seem to think very clearly he will be out after this, after this current contract. He's sixty five, and by the time the Ducks or by the time his contract is up, he'll probably be about sixty eight or so maybe a little less, maybe a little more. So how long does he want to keep doing this? You know, I mean, that's the age where maybe you're thinking about retirement. I mean, we saw his backyard tonight, which I'm surprised we haven't talked about at this point. We saw his backyard on the feed in the in the lottery stream, and it looks pretty Elite sweet. backyard.
2: Yeah, exactly. Elite
0: backyard. So does he want to, you know, kind of go enjoy that more regularly, or uh, does is he okay grinding away at this where – you know, forever, I guess. Um, it's yeah. it, it's interesting to think about because I do agree, though, that if they are going to pick someone next, it feels like it would be internal, and Madden is kind of like the new kid on the block right now, the hotshot, so well, it would be a good story.
1: With, and the thing that I think is positive with Madden is you look at the draft picks, and while, well, yes, I agree with CJ, and we've talked about this, where I'm maybe not as high as other people tend to be on the Ducks' drafting history and record, but... You look at the guys that they've drafted. They have drafted guys for skill. They haven't necessarily gone for uh, grinders or things like that outside of Lundestrom, I guess. Um, and so I think having that eye looking at talent is a good thing for the Ducks in the long term. And so having him more involved with the franchise is a very good thing. Um, I believe in the Athletic article, he even mentioned that he really doesn't know NHL team systems once they get past the draft he kind of not forgets about them but doesn't pay attention to them and so basically he's like now i need to watch more games and i think that that is a good thing because he's not necessarily a guy that really had an input because he was mainly focused on those prospects and well, so he's also
0: he's also saying just to jump in here he's also he's also comfortable saying what he doesn't know <laughs> i think that mm-hmm. that that yeah. is a great quality that's in, true in anyone. And to say, hey, I don't know a lot about this because I've been doing a specific job, and you see the outcome when he does that. So I think that that's another great sign because one thing that we have criticized Bob Murray for in the past is he doesn't seem very flexible. He doesn't seem very yeah. open to changing how he goes about things. I mean, look no further than the press conference episode of the podcast we did where his comments made it did not make it seem like he was enjoying the the new NHL, and so maybe a guy like Madden, who's a little more open to just listening and maybe asks more questions. I'm not saying Bob Murray doesn't do that because we're not in the building listening to the conversations, but from what he said, it would it would appear that he's not necessarily as open. Now, of course, that doesn't mean uh, that Madden is going to make great trades, that he's going to make great signings. You know, I mean, those are other skill sets. You know, risk evaluation, but. Think that just him admitting, "Hey, I don't know much about this," is already actually kind of a good start. In a yeah,
2: way. and 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 let's also be realistic here. If Bob Murray does decide to step down and move on, and Martin Madden who, or whoever gets to be the next general manager, barring some big scandal or something like that, there's no way Bob Murray is going to be out of the Ducks organization. The Ducks love to have their former employees still, you know, hang on as like advisors or Consultant. things like that. I mean, consultants. You, Randy Carlyle is still involved to in Randy the Carlisle? organization. Well so, that's I mean, one they of them. brought
1: it Some, somewhere, they brought in Brian Burke after he was
0: fired from Toronto. Somewhere yep. out there, uh Bruce Boudreaux is furiously agreeing with you. If, <laughs> if, if you'll recall his comments saying, Well, yeah, Randy Carlisle was at every game before I got fired.
2: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> let's let's be realistic here. If Murray is indeed done after his contract is up, he's still gonna be around the organization.
0: Oh wait, I figured it out. Next GM is gonna be Randy Carlisle. There we go. Problem oh, solved.
2: God, Felix, but, why Bob, would you do that to us?
0: Bob Murray <laughs> will complete the destiny of Randy Carlyle being rehired over and over, and name yeah. him DMs. Shoot, shoot,
2: shoot, Honda Center into the sun if that happens. Great.
0: Well, Thanks. I, th- that's, Thanks never, for that. that's never that's never going to happen. But it's just,
1: all right. Yeah, honest. but so, now you
2: spoke it into existence. But yeah, the
1: last little the last little piece of news. Let's move on from that fun topic now that Felix <laughs> kind of brought it all down. Uh, CJ. <laughs> You want to jump into the fact that the Ducks uh, earlier on this week announced uh, some big news in terms of the development around Honda Center.
2: Yeah, so for those of you who remember, near the end of 2018, they uh, the the city of Anaheim agreed to a few things. Number one, they agreed for um, Anaheim Arena Management, which is the management company that the Samueli's own alongside the Ducks to run operations at Honda Center. Um, they agreed to a 25-year extension with uh, um, options for five-year incremental extensions after that. Um, So basically what that means is that the Anaheim Ducks are in Anaheim and in Honda Center for at least a minimum of 25 more years. And as part of that as well, they also did a couple of things. Um, The biggest of which, as pertains to this news, is that they sold them the parking lots and uh, much of the land surrounding Angel Stadium. The city previously owned the land, or sorry, uh, Honda Center, not Angel Stadium. Both of these teams are doing all sorts of development, getting mixed up. Um, But they sold all this land, and now that the Ducks own it, they put forth a proposal earlier this week uh, called OC Vibe. Um, I was talking to Chip earlier, and Chip was almost like comparing it to LA Live, and she was like, it's one of those situations where they're like, okay, copy it, but don't make it obvious. And uh, so that's pretty much where the OC Vibe uh, uh, thing comes from.
0: That's a pretty good take, I would say.
2: Yeah, so um, uh, if you look at the plans, the video that they came out with, if you get a chance, ocvibe.com, go ahead and visit it. It is an extremely impressive um, neighborhood that they are planning on developing. There's uh, a couple of hotels that they plan on putting in, a bunch of retail and restaurant, um, a lot of green open space, a a landmark bridge over Catella to the Arctic train station, the transportation center across from Honda Center. uh, residential areas like it's just it's going to be huge and i believe it's like 115 is acres <laughs> is what they said um that they want to do so that's mm-hmm. a lot of land and so that's uh, i think that's very exciting because one of the rumored reasons why anaheim has not hosted a draft or an all-star game has been kind of the lack of entertainment options around the stadium and uh, for those of you who I think most of our listeners have probably been to Honda Center, you know, there's really not much. There's J.T. Schmitz across the street. There's, you know, Noble, a bit of a walk away.
0: Hey, show some respect to the Tilted Kilt.
2: <laughs> um, there's that area over by Century, Tilted Kilt, Lazy Dog, <laughs> right? But, you know, it, it, it's not super ideal. It's mostly businesses, industrial warehouses, and it's been like that for decades. So um, the fact that they may be finally be able to get a full- just like vibrant, bustling neighborhood is going to be amazing, especially alongside the Angels. It's going to be a great vibe. And the thing that I love most about this, that I think isn't talked about enough, is as of right now, this could change. But as of right now, the Ducks are not planning on using any public money to fund any of this investment. Yep.
1: That is which the is best really part. really and so good. It- It's going to be an awesome development. I mean, there's going to be apartment complexes part of it. Hotels are part of it. There's going to be, I believe, a 6,000-seat concert venue. They're going to shut down the street between – or Douglas between, I believe, Catella and Stanley Cup Way and turn it into – they're calling it like El Paseo or something like that that's going to be like an art fair type street. Um, They're really kind of – it's going to really change – the entire outlook of the area and make an imprint imprint on the local community and that that's going to be awesome and it's supposed to be open i believe in part is what i saw in 2024 is when they're hoping to have the very first phase of it open and this is going to take a long time to build and so they're hoping to have the entire thing complete though by 2028 because uh honda center if you don't know is planning on being the host of the women's and men's uh indoor volleyball for the 2028 olympics so oh, they're wow. hoping to have that done in time for the twenty twenty eight Olympics.
0: Yeah, Jake might be assisting with the construction. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Stay,
1: stay we'll tuned so. on that. We but so. uh,
0: very exciting. I mean, I enjoy going to Ducks games. I enjoy the the atmosphere there. But it is true that if there were a surrounding kind of downtown type area, it would make it a lot more fun. And I mean, that's for those who have never been to Nashville. One of the great benefits of going to a Predators game is that the arena is literally on the street where all the activity is. It's on the main mm-hmm. s- strip where there's all the bars and restaurants, and that's that's what you want. And I think that if the Ducks can get anywhere close to that with what they're planning, it's going to be awesome. I'm actually yep. really excited for it. Yeah. And, yep. uh, Especially when you r- combine ca- it with the, uh,
2: with the Angels development.
0: Yeah, and, and RIP a little bit to the people's rent prices right now in that area. <laughs> Because those are gonna those are yeah. gonna go up. They're they're not gonna go down yeah. because yeah. of this. Just just as a little FYI. But exciting news all around. I would say all around a pretty positive podcast here for the Ducks. Yeah. I mean a yeah. high pick. By the way, they're gonna get you a guys good wanna player.
2: get you guys wanna get even more positive here. We have a little bit of breaking news that was uh, brought up to us by um, uh, Lewis, Lewis in the chat. According to ESPN's Greg Woshinsky, they are cl- the uh, NHL and the players are closing in on a new CBA agreement. Um, which would mean that for the first time in the Gary Bettman era, we would not be having a lockout.
1: Yeah, that is pretty
0: great. That is pretty great news. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it also means we're going to get a play-in series, barring any complications with COVID. So, yeah, <laughs> yep. Because they, I think they had to agree on that, right? To actually play. We 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 don't want another baseball situation here. Yeah, a, a league that routinely alienates its fans yep. with greedy players and owners. Wow. Just shots fired. Ouch. I just say but that to Is Cole he CJ wrong though? He, he's not wrong. He's the he's the baseball fan here. Well, uh, I think baseball is happening, right? Sixty games, that's what uh, they settled pro-
2: on. Yeah, provided, you know, COVID doesn't take the air out of things. Yeah, they've finally they're, they're agreed, gonna, but the whole process was so ugly. I'm so pissed.
0: Here's the thing. They're gonna play any like people think that Covid could crash this. Nothing can crash the almighty dollar and this and the, 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 the thirst for it. It's going to yeah, happen a, one way or another. It's a
2: completely <laughs> different conversation to say whether they should have that season. I think oh, we yeah. could go on no and on one... about that. But but realistically, Felix is right. They're going to do everything <laughs> possible in their power to, to make at least yeah. some semblance of a season happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, logically, yeah, if, if you're in a pandemic, you probably don't want to be having sports indoors with, yeah. with players making contact. But, Baseball, outdoors, look, checkmate. But the thing is, hey, yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, hey, if you can have the players in a bubble where they're being tested, you can possibly do it successfully. We're we're seeing that on a lower scale with pro wrestling and MMA and so I'm sure it can be done and they will they will do it and we will get hockey. That is we're just full on optimism here. I don't know what's happening. Maybe it's the sunshine, maybe it's the summer weather. I, I don't wait, know what it is. It is the maybe fact that Montreal can have Alexei Lafreniere. Maybe I'm just in a great mood because of that. Maybe because it's Friday. Who knows? Life is good. <laughs> you know, we should we should focus on that. Focus it's a good Friday. Game. Happy Maybe Friday, everybody. because
1: tomorrow I'm going to get a cat.
2: Oh, uh, I can't I, wait to meet I her. I mean,
1: congratulations to you. She looks like a little that black
2: is... hole, and I'm so into it.
1: A- after all
0: of our debates, Jake, you finally came. I had, I had no say. I had no you say. You came to the light. You came to the light. I'm just very frustrated because you sent us a video last night of the cat. And I guess it was at your family members or something. And this little kid is yelling, oh, I want to see the cat. Like, it's just standing there scaring the crap out of this little kitten. And it throws the toy at, at the cat trying to get it to play. And the, the toy almost goes in the water cup. I mean, it's just awful. Kid <laughs> just terrorizing this poor cat. I I, I hated watching that video. Anyway, well, t- total, total side note. Yep. But the cat is very cute. It's a little black cat for those who don't know. Jake, maybe you should put a picture of it in in the description of this podcast. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I know you won't because this is not your idea. So if it was a dog,
1: maybe you would. Yeah. Uh, if it was a dog, I 100% would. <laughs> the thing is,
0: this is the natural curve for people who don't want cats. They start off where you're at and then they end up loving them. So yep. just wait. I'll, I'll give it a few months. All right. Do you guys want to hit any questions,
1: or should we um, wrap up here? I think we we wrap up. We fit a lot. I mean, do you guys have a Lewis asked? Do you have a better name than OC Vibe? Um, the Thunderdome. I don't. The Thunderdome. I I'm trying. Th- I'm trying to think about ducks related things, but they're not going to want to make it ducks related. No. Yeah.
2: They, no, yeah. I, just in case. I think OC Vibe is great. It's an OC vibe. Uh, I'm kind of whatever on it. There, there's a chance it changes too. So we'll see. Yeah, as someone well,
1: who, as someone who works in the construction industry, I cannot ooh, tell you how many you're times outing yourself. I I cannot tell you how many times there are projects that start as one name, change to another name, change to another name, change to another name. So Con-
0: confirmed. Jake is in the construction industry. He's I,
1: outed himself. I've said what I do before on this show. Have you? I, have. I don't remember. Yeah, Maybe it was, was only the, the Patreon. Podcast. Maybe it was the Patreon. That was a I've lifetime ago in <laughs> normal
0: times. Okay. Well, let's wrap up here. This was a fun show. Hopefully, everyone is doing well and staying safe. Um, we are going to give you a couple ways here to support the show. Oh. So, we do. Oh. Real real quick. Oh. Lewis did have
1: yeah. another question that I forgot about. Oh, What's yeah. your ideal? Th- th- I, I... This literally happens every show. It... Star- I start to. Oh, wait. Yep. That's what. That's what I'm here for. Ideal hub city. What's your ideal hub city? Because I believe the ones that are my ideal, my my ideal hub city is a hub city. Yeah, that's where
0: I'm at. As long as there is, as long as I not specific. specific we have hockey. I don't care which I, one they pick. It, it doesn't matter. It, nope. it really doesn't uh, matter. They're going to be I'm, in. I'm a
2: little bit worried about them pushing Vegas. So I know why they're pushing Vegas so hard, specifically because of the hotel. Um, Vegas, they can have a bubble, bubble easy. Oh, I,
0: I thought it was for the But are you
2: really gonna be able to police them having to go because Nevada's having and specifically Vegas is having a really big increase in COVID cases right now?
0: But they 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 just made I think they just made masks mandatory. You you can you can
1: bubble them in real quick with the the fact that you have that whole hotel to them.
0: Well the NBA is is having players wear these little rings to track them and, and they have they're having law enforcement uh, patrol the perimeter of yeah. the bubble, so... It's not out of the question. I mean, the NB Yeah, I mean, we actually really don't know much about any kind of specifics for the NHL's bubble plan mm-hmm. so far. That is actually an interesting thought that we don't really know no, anything about we'll it see. yet. Whereas the the, N, the NBA, which is just so leaky with Woj, we just know everything about yeah. it. Um, but the NHL has been tight-lipped. So we'll see. I, I guess Vegas, there are some potential downfalls, but I... I'm not going to pretend that I care yeah, that I much. It's looking, like it's, be, it's, it, it, it's
2: looking like it, it's going to be Vegas in a Canadian city is what it's looking at. Ed, like. Edmonton if or I Toronto. Tru- it, it, yeah.
0: It could be two Canadian cities. It could cities. be. It could I mean, be. It, it's possible. It could be. I, I just, if we truly cared about the well-being of these guys, we wouldn't be having that's it. That's true. So at this point, yeah. Yeah. it's just hockey. Just, just mainline it to me. Okay. Jake, you got anything else? Nope, that's it. Are you sure? Yes. No other questions? No other questions. <laughs> okay. So... A way you can support the show. We are on Patreon, patreon.com slash crash the pond. So, two tiers of support. Actually, Jake, I'm going to invoke you here. I'm going to invoke Jake for a second. Yeah. Hasn't there been a change on Patreon that we wanted to address? Uh, Or is that for patrons only?
1: There's been a very slight change. Uh, Patreon is changing their stance on sales tax and so depending on how different tiers are categorized the amount of sales tax applied to them uh has changed but there's a a, for anyone that's out there that's a patron yeah for anyone out there that's a patron there's a a more kind of well thought out well detailed message on the the patreon website go check it out but at the end of it what it means is if you have a five dollar donation there may be a sales tax on it about 20 cents to 30 cents something in that range so um We're sorry there's not really anything we can do. It's Patreon that's kind of enforcing it. Blame the government. Blame blame big government for
0: for getting in the way of our Patreon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) For the dollar tier, you can join our patrons-only Discord chat where we will hop in there and talk ducks. During the season when there's hockey going on, we do live game chats where those were a lot of fun and we were hitting our stride as the season was ending, and we kind of got cut short there. But that is the main... That is the main objective of it, and in this off season, we have that as a place for people to discuss really anything that's on their mind, but mainly uh, to chat with heart, with fellow hardcore Ducks fans. That's that's kind of the point of it. And then for five dollars a month, you still get access to that Discord chat, and you also get access to two bonus episodes of the show a month. So I think that the value of that is even higher right now, where our show a regular show is not quite as frequent. Um, we go and deep dive different topics there on the Patreon show, we keep it serious at first, you know, we'll talk about different league topics. We did an NHL awards pod. Uh, We did a breakdown of, we did a bracket of the all time ducks head coaches, but we also, we also let a little steam out and we talk about very random topics. So if you enjoy the banter of the show, the kind (laughs) of, I would say that the more humorous aspects of it, then the page, the Patreon is for you. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. It gets a little ridiculous in there sometimes so that's a five dollars a month and that is at patreon.com crash the pond and of course check out crash the pond.com that is our home base that is our baby that's what we're trying to grow here we had a full week of articles there they are still for the most part relevant if you want a little more detail and everything we talked about just in written form if that's how you digest information maybe a little better then I definitely recommend checking that out. And we are going to keep you locked in there on all ducks news. And we're going to find other ways to kind of keep the content trait rolling over at CrashThePond.com. We are on YouTube.
1: We have a YouTube channel, Jake month, youtube.com slash youtube.com slash Jake monitors
0: it very closely. If you comment good or bad, he will reply. So troll Jake, do it. Uh, you're basically talking to Jake. If you comment on YouTube,
1: <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's because yep. I get email notifications We about are them. on
0: Spotify. So if that's where you get your podcast, you can find us there. We are on Apple Podcasts. So that's probably the easiest way that you can support the show is leave us a uh, rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I don't believe we have any new reviews to go over that I'm aware of. But if you do post a review, we will read it on the show. Um, we really appreciate hearing from you guys. Some of the reviews we've had in the past have been really heartfelt and it's just kind of incredible to hear what some people have to say and also helps us with the apple algorithm climb up the charts so whichever way you look at it it's really helpful it's free and it just takes a couple minutes and
2: we're asking you to help us game the system that's what he's asking we're
0: we're like the ducks we want to game the cba we want to win in the current format. right we're operating within the context of this industry at all costs at all costs truly um Outside of that, you can find us on social media. So that's at Crash the Pond on Twitter. We have a Crash the Pond Facebook page. Man, it feels good to say that because we've we've been kind of waiting on that. Um, But Jake finally got around to it. Um. We haven't? We've had that
1: for like months. We've had that since the website started. (laughs) Yeah, I know.
0: I just feel like saying that. Um, Jake is on Twitter at Reindeer Games 91. Let me just tell you this. If you're looking for a... Let's just call it a diversity of topics that yes. relate to sports. Jake has you covered: wrestling, yeah. soccer, um, you name it. I mean, it's whatever's out there. J- Jake will tweet about it at RainierGames91. Cj is on Twitter at cjwoodling. Make sure to follow him there, and I'm on Twitter at felix underscore sicard. So that will do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening, and we will catch you at the next show. Have a good one. Bye.